0: So let me first start tonight with reading a verse and purport from the Bhagavad Gita, 1515, which most of you are familiar with, but it's worth taking a second look, and we're going to talk a little bit about... How relevant this verse is to us. Of course, every verse is relevant to us because we're devotees, but there's some very practical points in 1515 that we should go over. Sarvasya chaham rudasan nivishto mataksmitir gyanam apohanam cha vedaishtasarver ahame vivedyo vedant vedanta kridveda videva I am seated in everyone's heart, and from me come remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. By all the Vedas, I am to be known. Indeed, I am the compiler of Vedanta, and I am the knower of the Vedas. For all those who have ears, please listen. Prabhupada's Purport. The Supreme Lord is situated as paramatma in everyone's heart, and it is from him that all activities are initiated. The Supreme Lord is situated as paramatma in everyone's heart, and it is from him that all activities are initiated. The living entity forgets everything of his past life But he has to act according to the direction of the Supreme Lord, who is witness to all his work. Therefore, when he begins his work, therefore, he begins his work according to his past deeds. Required knowledge is supplied to him, and remembrance is given to him, and he forgets also about his past life. Thus the Lord is not only all-pervading, he is also localized in every individual heart. He awards the different fruitive results. He is worshipable not only as the impersonal Brahman, the supreme personality of God and the localized paramatma, but as the form of the incarnation of the Vedas as well. The Vedas give the right direction to people so that they can properly mold their lives and come back home, back to Godhead. The Vedas offer knowledge of the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna and Krishna, in his incarnation as Vyasadeva, is the compiler of the Vedanta Sutra. The commentation on the Vedanta Sutra by Vyasadeva in the Srimad Bhagavatam gives the real understanding of Vedanta Sutra. The Supreme Lord is so full that for the deliverance of the conditioned soul, he is the supplier and digester of foodstuff, the witness of his activity and the giver of knowledge in the form of Vedas and as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, the teacher of the Bhagavad Gita. He is worshipable by the conditioned soul. Thus, God is all good. God is all merciful. Antapravishta sharstha gnanam the living entity forgets as soon as he quits his present body but he begins his work again initiated by the supreme lord although he forgets the lord gives him the intelligence to renew his work where his ended where he ended his last life So not only does a living entity enjoy or suffer in this world according to the dictation from the Supreme Lord situated locally in the heart, but he receives the opportunity to understand the Vedas from him. If one is serious about understanding the Vedic knowledge, then Krishna gives the required intelligence. Why does he present the Vedic knowledge for understanding? Because a living entity individually needs to understand Krishna. Vedic literature confirms this. yo Sao sarvar Gyate. In all Vedic literature, beginning from the four Vedas, Vedanta Sutra and the Upanishads and the Puranas, the glories of the Supreme Lord are celebrated by performance of Vedic rituals discussion of the Vedic philosophy and worship of the Lord in devotional service, he has attained. Therefore, the purpose of the Vedas is to understand Krishna. The Vedas give us direction by which to understand Krishna and the process of realizing him. The ultimate goal is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Vedanta Sutra 114 confirms this in the following words, Tattu samanvayat. One can attain perfection in three stages. By understanding Vedic literature, one can understand his relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. By performing the different processes, one can approach him. And at the end, one can attain the Supreme Goal, who is no other than the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In this verse, the purpose of the Vedas, the understanding of the Vedas, and the goal of the Vedas is clearly, are clearly defined. And first point to keep in mind is that the living entity forgets everything of his past life, but he has to act according to the direction of the Supreme Lord who is witness to all his work. And this means, among other things, that the reason that we can become Krishna conscious is because Krishna is conscious of us. The infinitesimal cannot reach the understanding of the infinite without the infinite's wish that he do so, without extending himself. One may say, how can the infinitesimal understand the infinite? And the only answer is when the infinite extends himself. To the living entity. Atashi Krishna na madi, nabaved graimindriye, seva muki hijivado, swayameva spratyada, naya matma, pravachane na lubyo, na medaya, na bahuna, shutena, mami vaisha, vrinute tena lubyas, te shish, tashisha, vrinute tanum swam. The Padma Purana says. That uh, Krishna reveals Himself to us according to our service to Him, beginning with the tongue. And Naya Pravachane labhyo means Namidhaya Na We can't understand Krishna by our own endeavor. You may be very expert at speaking. You can sit down in an assembly, give lectures to thousands, millions of people. Doesn't mean Krishna will reveal Himself. Uh, you Bahuna, bahuna shrutana, you may be very learned also, like Sarvabhama He's known as the most learned person who ever lived. He knew every scripture by heart, memorized it all. shrutena doesn't mean you can understand who Krishna, or Lord Chaitanya, is. And also <coughs> uh, you may also Naya Matma labhyo na You may be very intelligent bahunashutena, Yami vrnute tena labyas tashyaisha eva vrnute swam. Tanum swam means his own person, his own body, his own personality. He only reveals that to whomever he chooses. So uh, this is a great secret in Krishna consciousness because we describe this process of chanting Hare Krishna as the means to understand Krishna and, and, uh, and to know Him. It's a, it's a service to chant Krishna's name. We're glorifying Him. It's Kirtan. And we're serving Him with our tongue. But how does it work, actually? This is uh, described in our uh, various shastras. First of all, in the Tattva Sundarbha and the Sarva which is a very technical chapter, but necessary obviously for our sampradaya to be right on target, to have a siddhanta. Uh, Jiva Goswami explains that normally when we see something, we don't see it right away because we have to comprehend it. We have to compare it to something. The way I I thought of it recently is the way in which you'll notice uh, Picture recognition. What's it called when the your smartphone recognizes your picture? Someone put a f- picture up up on their website.
1: Image recognition,
0: huh?
1: Image recognition.
0: Image recognition. Yes, it's exactly what it is. It's, it's, this is called vikalpanam in the Tapasandarba. There's a, a a way that by pratyaksha vikalpana you see something, but you don't if. Unless you become aware of it, you don't actually see it. Unless you know what it is, you can't comprehend it. And therefore, there's a there's a, a two-stage process that takes place with the intelligence. And that process is you see a hummingbird, and then the intelligence goes through image recognition, latches onto it. It happens very quickly for most people. For me, it's slower. Um, and then you recognize the... The hummingbird, because you put it in a category, Viculpinum, and you say, Oh yeah, that's a, a category of birds. I've seen hummingbirds before. My mother told me that's a, a ruby-throated hummingbird when I was a kid. All it all, there's there's a lightning flash of information that comes into you and a comparison and image recognition that takes place when you look and you see the, the bird. So, yes, okay, that's a bird. Your intelligence, Kapiladev describes this also in the third canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So <clears throat> then, what is the process of chanting the holy name? This is not a Vikalpanam, it's direct. And Jiva Goswami gives this example of the 10th man. There's a student in the class and the stu- teacher says, "You." you count up how many people in the class. So actually there's supposed to be 10 people in the class, including the teacher, the student says, there's nine people. Teacher said, you forgot the 10th man yourself. And then there's, upon hearing those words, there's an instant cognition directly that, oh yeah, I'm the 10th man. And, And so he describes the way in which the holy name appears in our consciousness. Directly, and Krishna, as described in the eighth chapter of Shrimad Bhagavatam Gajendra, he's not a thing, he's not a person, he's not a there. He goes through a long list, does a Gajendra, of all the things that we have in our experience in this world. He's none of those things. He's beyond our comprehension who he is, but he reveals himself. But exactly, how does that work? Because we also hear. Avaishnava mukongirnam putam harikatam sravana naivakartavyam yatapaya. Sanatana Goswami mentions this verse, and he says that oh, somebody is speaking the holy names, but their motive is wrong. In other words, they think they're God. This is the, the um, candidate who's uh, most apt to... Um, misinterpret the holy name and say it in such a way that it um, covers the the appearance of the holy name. When someone who is ill-motivated, and that is their motivation is that I'm God, they're not thinking I'm going to serve God, or they're not innocent, but they're very particularly motivated uh, and they're anti-Krishna, but they're saying his name because they want to become him. Then he says, chisha Yatopaya, that there's a way in which the, the vibration that comes from those people is covered. And it's, he actually mentions it in the analogy. It's like a, a little dish of milk touched by the lips of a serpent. And then you're not going to drink that. It's all, this, the snake drank for that? No thanks. He left a little poison in there. On the other hand, we hear from Prithu Maharaj in the fourth canto Shruma Bhagavatam, when a pure devotee chants the holy name or speaks Krishna Kata, then because the motivation is pure, it's received through disciplic succession, there's a clear understanding that my constitutional position, I'm eternal servant of Krishna. And by association, one has developed this attitude of pure devotion towards the Lord, even if it's in a budding stage. And then, uh, speaks the holy name or speaks Krishna Kata, especially for the very advanced devotee. Then that sound vibration is described as touching Krishna's lotus feet. On Krishna's lotus feet, they're of saffron particles. As if you do deity worship, you know, Krishna is, is the coolest person ever. And he wears saffron on his feet. There's Chandan and Tulsi leaves and so forth. Nobody else has that on their lotus feet. And then they mix with the sound vibration. And then when it comes in the ear, then the effect is profound. How can we understand that? We know that when Ravana stole away Sita, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, Kabirash Goswami, reveals this to us in the, Sri Chaitanya Chartamrita, he didn't actually steal Sita, but he got Maya Sita. You can't touch the internal energy if your motivation is to try to enjoy Krishna or try to enjoy Krishna's Shaktis. What to speak stealing Sita Devi, kidnapping her, to try to enjoy her. He got the wrong Sita. He got Maya Sita. He thought he got the real Sita, but he didn't. And we also know that... Um, those who don't have devotion for Krishna don't see him as well. Uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says uh, that he doesn't reveal himself to those who don't have devotion. And so if we receive the holy name through the process of disciplic succession from those who have the proper mood and attitude and and motivation, speaking the holy name as it's coming down to us, then we get the manifestation of Krishna directly in our consciousness. So that means that, meanwhile, when we're chanting the holy name, we have to also develop this attitude of pure service to the holy name and to Krishna, and that's, why I felt it was important to read this sentence from the second line of the purport, where Prabhupada writes, the living entity forgets everything of his past life, but he has to act according to the direction of the Supreme Lord, who is witness to all his work. And in the next point, and I'll only make a few points here and then we can have discussion, is that um, Prabhupada writes, Required knowledge, it's in the next, uh, uh, the, the, the line after the one we just read, required knowledge is supplied to him and remembrance is given to him and he forgets also about his past life. So I like this uh, phrase, uh, required knowledge. So what is the definition of required? Just for the heck of it. Can't unmute. You're all locked up. Adjective required officially, compulsory, or otherwise considered essential. Okay. Essential knowledge that is considered essential. So, in different phases of life, I consider different kinds of knowledge essential. For instance, some people they get a life coach and they'll pay $85,000 to get a life coach because. Um, they feel it's essential, they need essential knowledge to make money. And so the life coach tells them how to get all set up so that they can make money and uh, have a nicer house, a nicer car, and feel good about themselves and so forth. And that's required for them. That's what their desire is. Somebody else may require that um, they become famous, or somebody um, has more refined desires. They want they're thinking about how to do good for humanity. And then uh, that required knowledge, it means I consider it essential. That's my desire. So Krishna fulfills my desire. He gives me the required knowledge according to what I desire. That's where it's coming from. So Krishna's noticing what I want. He's also very much aware of my mood. He's uh, completely aware. So that's a double-edged sword. Someone might think, uh uh-oh, he actually knows (laughs) knows what, what my inner workings are. On the other hand, someone may say, well, externally, I look like a mess. I look like I'm an intractable situation here in the material world. I'm never going to get out. But we know from Bali Maharaj's pastime, although he, you can't get much more entangled than Bali Maharaj. He just conquered the whole universe. He beat up the demigods. He was a king of the world, king of the universe. And he was surrounded by demons. But then Vaman showed up. And that spark of devotional service for him uh, awoke within his heart. In Bali's heart, and even though at the time he couldn't surrender, Krishna noticed. He knew exactly what Bali's intention was. He's he's going to surrender, and he did it. And therefore, Krishna is known and mentioned in this section as bhava Grahi Janardana. He knows our bhava. What's our mood? That's so. That's that's okay. I was going to say so important. Scratch that. Put a big line. Uh, uh, a sharpie through it. It's all important, hyphenate the word. It's all important to what my mood is towards Krishna because externally it may uh, appear that I'm a loser and I'm way behind. But if that mood of pure devotion, if I, if I uh, turn my attention towards Krishna in my heart, it's this is internal cultivation. We have external cultivation in the world. We, we use our senses. We use our external senses in all kinds of ways to serve Krishna. Sometimes we don't have so much facility. We may be locked in a position of life where we feel stifled uh, externally. I only can squeeze out you know, an hour and a half a day for my bhajan the rest of the day, and they've got me locked in. Uh, there, there ain't no cure for the summertime blues. And they, what is it? They got me working late. You know, that's a theme song in the material world. <laughs> Came from some early artist here here in America. And yeah, well, they got me working late. That's the theme song of the conditioned soul in the material world. So I'm working, and how do I get out of that? Well, you can start applying your senses to your bhajan, But internally, there are several ways that we cultivate uh, the cheshta rupa. I mean, starting from the most basic idea that Prabhupada mentions in the Bhagavad Gita. He says that whatever work you're doing, you should consider, this is my prescribed work given to me by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. I offer it to him. This is a very powerful meditation. And we can also cultivate the desire in our heart to serve Krishna. And Prabhupada mentions this. He said, if you can't do the service that your guru told you to do, he said, then you should have this mantra, put it in a little pressure cooker. Anybody have a little pressure cooker? You all got one, right? You know how this works. You put it in there, you put the top on with your fingers crossed, it doesn't explode. And and you turn up the heat. And inside it cooks much faster because of the pressure. So when we're under pressure in life and then we cultivate in our heart, Prabhupada says, you use this mantra, how can I do, how can I do, how can I do? I want to serve my guru, but I can't do it right now, he said.
2: This meeting is being recorded.
0: Just now only it's being recorded. Um, How can I do, how can I do, how can I do? And then also, Prabhupada mentions in the Nectar of Devotion about a Brahmana who was very poor. And he had no facility, but he heard in a lecture about how to do deity worship. So he started doing it in his meditations. Every day he was meditating on worshiping the deity and he would bring Ganga water in gold pots and he would sit down and do very loving puja for his worshipable deity. And every day he was feeling fulfilled. There's no difference, actually. And gradually, gradually he became so advanced and when he was making his naiveja, offering of boga to the Lord, idam naivejam, and then he said the mula mantra for his deity and he offered it. And uh, he was thinking, oh, I think I made it too hot for the Lord. It didn't let it cool down enough. This is how intense his meditation was. So just to make sure he touched it with his finger and he burned his finger. And then uh, Lord Narayan was uh, chuckling when he saw his uh, devotee recoil from the burnt finger, uh, from the, the pain of touching that hot sweet rice and his consort Lakshmi said, what's so funny and he said i'll show you and then he sent an airplane sent an uber by to pick up his um, devotee and brought him back home back to godhead this story is um, an indication of our internal cultivation Uh, it goes on internally externally Uh, if you have a desire but you can't completely fulfill it put it in your pressure cooker Meditate on that desire, Uh, worship it. You worship that order that you've got from your guru that I want, how can I do, how can I do? You pray over and over again. So you see, because Krishna will give you required knowledge. To those who do this, that is worship Krishna internally with their hearts. They're, they're offering obeisances in their hearts to the order of the spiritual master and to the, the words that Krishna has spoken and that the Guru has spoken that the, the great Acharyas have spoken. jnane priyasa murapasyanamante eva jivanti sanmukharitam, stane stita shrutikatam tanuvan body, mind, and soul. They're worshiping the words then to such a person, uh, Krishna gives all required knowledge. You want to become advanced in devotional service, you want to go to the stage of Nishta, and then Ruchi, and Asakti, and Bhava, and Prema. Krishna will give you the required knowledge and guidance and association to go there. We have to adjust our internal mood and make sure that's our desire because he's fulfilling everyone's desire since time immemorial, so pariyagat shukram akaya mavranam ashnaviram shudam apah pavidham kaviram anishi paribhu swayambur yatat yat yatortan viaradashas fatibya samabhya. He's a self-sufficient philosopher who's been fulfilling every living entity's desire since a time immemorial. So, uh, Krishna is conscious of us. Lucky lucky thing. Now we just have to turn our head towards uh, Krishna and our desire towards Krishna and even a little bit, even the tiniest molecule of desire, if we can locate it and say, yeah, I found it. I do have a desire. After all, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswajitakra says, if you're in mixed devotional service, that means Pure bhakti is mixed with something. So the pure bhakti is in there. You find it. Make sure you find it. Locate that and put it in your pressure cooker. And you make a preparation from that. That's powerful. So now the last couple of points. And that is that the material world is a place of abnegation. I've abnegated my freedom. Can we have the definition, please? Abnegate. Make sure I'm using it correctly. You can put it in the chat. Something ab and then nageri. To renounce. Yes, we've renounced our freedom. So why? Why do we not renounce our freedom? Well, first of all, what happens? I give up my freedom because freedom is um, actually, it requires responsibility. We're not dead stones. Oftentimes people say, well, why is Krishna so mean to me? Hey, you're a living entity too. You're the same quality as God. You can't blame anybody but yourself. That's a good thing. Don't, don't take it the wrong way. That's a good thing. Because we're the same quality. We have powers, too. We're not dead stones. And our freedom is, it requires responsibility. So when I give myself to the material nature, to Maya, then Krishna says, Prakritekriyamanani gunai karmani sarvasha ahankara, Vimudhatma kartaham idimanyate. It's like, hey, I can't handle this freedom. I just surrender to the material nature and try to try to live in an alternative state of consciousness. I, I don't want to face it. I don't want to come to reality. That's why the, the Upanishads are all calling to to us: Thomasima uh, jotirgamai. Wake up! Come on! Come back to the light, little Jiva. It's it's, uh, reclaim your freedom. We see this in prisoners. Prisoners get what's called institutionalized. They go to prison, uh, everything's decided for them. You wake up at this time, you go to sleep at this time. You eat this, there's no choice. You eat this, uh, here are the rules, you have to follow all the rules, and uh, this is all you get. And that's, uh, it sounds horrible, but actually when one abdicates one's freedom, and that freedom takes responsibility, then it's like, okay, well, that's what I like. And you get used to it, this is the conditioned soul. So then when they, let the, when they let the prisoner out, you know what they do many times? They commit another crime just so they can go back in I don't know the exact percentage of recidivism. Recidivism? Make sure I put the right number of syllables, please. That's, however, it is a phenomena that is noticeable. It's measurable, it's something that's been studied. People become institutionalized. They wanna go back in because that way they can just surrender themselves to the schedule so the material world conditions soul abnegates freedom it's too much responsibility and then here just leave it to the material nature material nature dictates however because we're spiritual beings we develop a serious psychological problem it's described in the bhagavatam bhayam <laughs> isha apayetasya viparyo So, what is that problem? We've, we, we give up, we abnegate our freedom, our free life with Krishna. We turn away from him. We ignore him. Like, okay, there is no God. You know, this whole world just fell from the sky. Nobody, nobody created it. Nobody's taken care of me. It's, it's all just happened by chance. This is ignorance. Ignorance of the fact that we have a lover who's taking care of us, who loves us, who's like, forget it, I don't want to know him. So we turn our face away and then we get dvitya we get this separate existence and payam, fear arises. But here's, here's where the, here's the fear and the confusion and all the anxiety comes from in our, in our conditioned life. There's a phrase and a theory called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance, somebody pull it off of Wikipedia and throw it up there please. Cognitive dissonance. So a dissonance means, actually it comes from a a word that means sound, like sonar, dissonance. There's resonance, there's dissonance. So dissonance means a discord. And what is the discord actually? we develop in our subconsciousness impressions, and they're discordant with our actual nature. These samskaras are collected from our association with the material nature since time immemorial, purusha-prakriti-stohi-bhunte-prakriti-jan-gunan, prakriti jan gunan sarasad yoni janmasu We associate with the modes of nature by hearing different kinds of things goes in our ear and then there's a kind of cacophony of vibrations that are impressed within us and even though they're latent for many many lifetimes they come out and they 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 create a dissonance of sound in our minds and in our hearts and this in our cognition of these different Differing vibrations, we become anxiety-ridden, confused, full of fear, as we don't know who we are. We're hearing all these different kinds of sound vibrations. So that comes to the uh, second part of this purport. How, when we uh, get re-inspired to turn our attention back to Krishna, do we overcome this cognitive dissonance. We may have experienced it, that we take up Krishna consciousness, but then there's all these other forces that are coming from within our own minds, our own subconscious minds, due to uh, the scars, the impressions uh, left there by sound vibration. And now how do we come back into, um, into resonance, Resonance, resonance with the spiritual world, with our true nature as uh, devotees of Krishna. That's from the perfective sound vibration that Krishna provides for us first through the Srimad Bhagavatam. Anarto pasanam sakshad, bhakti yogam and hoksa jay. Lokasya janato vidams chakra sakvata samhitam. Dev, incarnation of Krishna, as mentioned here in this verse, deliberately uh, compiled all the resonant sound vibrations of the spiritual world, that will bring us back into resonance with Krishna, our desire to serve him, and it also brings all of the discordant, some scars and sound vibrations that we've taken in errantly. and it sorts them all out. That's the power of the holy name. Chato Dharpana marginum. Lord Chaitanya said, you chant Hare Krishna and the mind, the heart, the, the chitta, your conscious uh, mind and subconscious mind, they will become purified from these discordant sound vibrations. And when we come into resonance with Krishna, there's no problem. There is absolutely no problem. There never actually was. We're only uh, distracting ourselves with these discordant vibrations that we've taken in by our um, misuse of freedom and abnegating our freedom foolishly. So, it's important to remember a few points. One is that Krishna is conscious of us. He's supremely conscious of us. Shetra sarva shetra Krishna says, know this for sure, that you're not your body. You are a unit of cognition, and I am aware of you. I know you. You may not think of me now, but you do know me, but you forgot. I don't forget. But Krishna knows us. Remember that. Because we don't have to see God. We just have to act in such a way that he wants to see us. And if we just remember this one point, that Krishna is seeing me, he's fully conscious of me and my mood, and he even knows my motive. It's like a scent that comes from the... The entity Krishna knows what that is. Oh, I know what that is. He knows it perfectly what it is. And he also knows exactly how to reciprocate with it. And this is the amazing part of the way Krishna set everything up. It's completely voluntary. He leaves it to us. Samoham Sarva Bhute Shu I don't hate anybody. I don't like anybody. I'm equal to everyone. That's what he says as the Paramatma in the material world. But If you uh, can, through the association of pure devotees, and hearing from the Shastra, if you can develop one molecule of desire to serve Krishna, you put it in your pressure cooker, and you you meditate, you make that your life and soul, your top priority on your page, and I hope you have one by now, that has your priorities on it. Otherwise, if you don't have a dream, how are you going to have a dream come true? That's from the musical South Pacific, then Krishna will make, he'll move heaven and earth for you, for us, any living being, he'll move heaven and earth. And that's all we have to have. And we fan that spark within our hearts until it becomes a blaze. That's the only thing we want. And that's what advanced devotional service means. It means I don't want anything else. That's my only desire because the cognitive, cognitive dissonance is removed by hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. For instance, I think I want to meet a beautiful girl in the park and run off and get a big house. Is this resonating with anybody? I want to meet a beautiful boy, beautiful girl. I want to meet the best singer and we'll run off and buy <laughs> and live happily ever after. This is the dream of the living entity. So Purunjana, We hear the story, he meets the girl of his dreams, she meets the man that can sweep her off her feet and they have the conversation and then they go off together. But just like uh, Paul Newman got old and died, he was the most attractive movie star or any um, uh, fashion model gets old and everyone says, ha ha, what happened to you? You know, the whole material world uh, eventually, uh, changes the scene, changes, and we're left holding an empty bag again and, again and again and again and again and again and again and again. So, Bhagavatam's rearranging our priorities for us, saying, Not this, not that. Look at what happens. Here's the narrative. Listen to this story. Don't listen to the other stories that people are telling you. This is the only story you need to hear, is a Srimad Bhagavatam. And when you come to the end of that, you're fully convicted that this is this is my prime goal of life. And so, swa Krishna punya shravanakirtana hibadrani Krishna's there as a surit, and the Vidhunoti, he's helping us within the heart. And he's like, "Okay, I see. You're listening to this. You want to you want to come to this perfect point of a sharp desire." Increased desire to serve me, I'll help you. And then Rupa Goswami says, then you've got the ticket. Krishna Bhakti Ras, Bhavito Mati, Kriyatan Yadi Kritopi Labyate, Tataloyam Api Muliamekalam, Janma Koti Sukrtiana Labyte. labhyate means you can be a good person for millions of lifetimes, and it doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. But if you can get a little desire in your heart burning, that I want to be a devotee. I want this more than anything else. That's the ticket that gets us to attract Krishna because he, he'll respond immediately and start moving everything in our direction. Then ye bhajanti tumam bhaktam maite teshu Then we live in Krishna and Krishna lives in us. And we come to the perfection of our lives. Om Tat Sat. Now let's see if we have anything on the Jumbotron here. I'm gonna pull up the question answer board, comment board, oops. And it is empty. All right, let's see if we have any reflections or questions to expand the conversation. Reflect. Manjula Kanta, you have an inquiring look on your face. Oh, and okay, we got a hand up from Sikeshari. Go ahead.
2: Manjula can go, Prabhu. I go after. Her. Go ahead. Manjula, you have a question?
3: I, I was just thinking, Maharaj, that you know, when we just a second. I was just thinking, Maharaj, that you were explaining this concept. And in the process, I was wondering that, you know, um, along the way in this path, Many times, we stop and look back and, and try to reassess that we should have made these changes or choices. But uh, the more I, I look back, the more I realize it wasn't worth the effort. There's so much more to look forward to in Krishna consciousness. And COVID some, has taught us that. Uh, this whole process teaches us. To, today, when we went to the temple for darshan I was thinking that the, all these opportunities that we were given, we took them so much for granted. This opportunity for service, this opportunity for association. And having been given all that and then denied it, there's so much of a a deeper respect for what we've received. Just as you were saying that, you know, if we don't hold on to it now, when will we make that commitment? So it was really nice to hear what you were saying. And that was my thought, that was my reflection that when we do get back to service, how much more commitment we should give to it and how much less resistance we should put in to all the good stuff that Srimad Bhagavatam is telling us. Because, you know, we can see for ourselves how difficult it is how much these promises turn out to be empty in the end.
0: Sure, and this is a conversation that com- comes up in the fourth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam with, with Narada Muni and the Prajapati uh, Daksha. Uh, there's this perennial conversation about renunciation, Pravriti Marg and Nivriti Marg, and in it, it's Worth noting that Daksha feels that his sons, first the 10,000 and then the 1,000, should go through the the path of fruit of activity and go through all the complications of the material world because then they'll become tired of it. And Narada Muni tells his sons, he didn't go directly to Daksha, he just went straight to them where they were doing their austerity. He said, hey, you're already getting purified out here. You might as well just go for Bhakti and give all this nonsense up and and they were very intelligent they understood and they they went into the direct path and Prabhupada gives this conundrum that often uh comes up and that is that Daksha will say that uh unless unless you enjoy the material world you're not going to be able to have your fill and get uh exhausted by it therefore you should try for it but then Prabhupada says yeah but you know practically every woman during the pain of uh, childbirth says I'll never do this again and then you know hey how many kids you got 11 <laughs> so uh, this is this is a um, a, pr- uh, a feature of the material world that we forget and hope springs eternal you know if we're trying to enjoy the material but when we really become materially exhausted this is what um, uh, Queen Kunti says, you know, this is for the materially exhausted, when you've really had it. And there's, it's a memory in your heart that you say, no mas, that's it. I'm, I'm not doing this again. I'm, I'm putting it all into Krishna. This is the beginning of lalium, the beginning of this greed, that I, I have to have this. It's the most important. And we get serious. You can see it in our activities and our countenances and so forth. That's why we take the bhajanakriya. kriya we have had it. And we go like that. I've been taking the wrong path for so long. Now I'm going down this one. I'm following the devotees. And so that what you're describing is a sign of advancement when that conviction arises in the heart that no mass. I, I, and I'm not wasting any more time either. The, and then it may take, there may be a lag time also. Krishna does this. So we remember because We may get the desire before we get the facility. And then we're in a really good place to put that in the pressure cooker because it's really hard when you know you want to go for it. It was like, how am I going to get out of this? And I mean, even Rupa and Sanatan, it took them a year. At least uh, uh, Sanatan got out of there right away, (laughs) I mean uh, Rupa. And, and Sanatan, it was more than a year before he could escape the jail and the whole thing. Look at Raghunath Das. Getting out of the material world is not so easy. And so if it was easy, we just keep one foot in each world and say, ah, it's no big deal. I'll just have the best of both worlds. And we never give it up. But it's so sticky and, and troublesome, the material world. It's like, hey, I barely touched it and I got smashed. Krishna's mercy. He's reminding us of, like, hey, didn't you want to be serious, little Jiva? <laughs> Wasn't that you last week who said no mas? It's like, get your little fingers out of the jar and just, you know, be serious. Okay, so we've got uh, Gandharvika Rod had her hand up, I think. Did she just, oh, there you are. And then we have Sundarananda. And okay, please go ahead.
4: I was just showing the sad face because um, uh, with the example that you said, how no matter how much we undergo pain in this world, we just forget and do the same thing again. And um, that's so sad. And uh, the point that you mentioned how the vibrations of Krishna removes the samskaras in our hearts, um, that gave me some confidence that uh, okay, even though it seems like I can never overcome that, but that a name and the sound vibrations that coming from Krishna is is helping us. But one question that I had is, Prabhu, how is it? Um, how do we maintain that focus all the time? Because material nature sometimes is coming, your reactions are coming very forceful upon you. So we need some strength to stick to what we want. And that too with grace. So how do we do that?
0: The the best is through association. When we keep association with strong devotees, then we feel strong also. And Purusha Prakriti Stohi Bhunte Prakriti Jan Gunan, Karanam Guna By the same token, all our implications in the material world have come from our associations with uh, the different modes of nature that come through people we hang out with. So choose your association very carefully, and do your reps. When we're in Vaidhi Bhakti, you have to do your reps. Every day, you gotta do your reps. Later, it'll turn into longing. Later, it turns into lullium. This is the second stage of devotional service. When we develop this intense longing, it will come. It's very natural, it's already there, but it has to be reawakened in the beginning. Do your repetitions, don't get sloppy. And, and you'll get strength from that. You get strength from, from keeping your numerical uh, quota at the, at the top level. And you notice it in devotees who keep themselves at that level. If you're hearing and chanting, doing, get your bhajan on and do it every day and don't let anything get in your way. Be like an athlete. You watch athletes; they're getting ready for for the, the what is there the uh, World Cup. I don't know what there is now. Uh, the the U.S. Olympics? Open Olympics, Olympics, yeah, Olympics, U.S. Open. All that they don't mess around; they're out there uh, doing their craft, uh, their sport every day, working out. We have to be like that. Become a spiritual athlete in the beginning, and and get serious. And if you don't know what it looks like, just check out some Olympic athletes on YouTube and see what they do. They don't get good like that for nothing or, or great musicians. They're doing, they're doing their practice five, six hours a day. And because they're into it. And then like one teacher once told me, he said, amateurs practice until what is, how does it go? Okay. Amateurs practice till they get it right. Professionals practice till they never get it wrong. So be on the second uh, on the on the latter side. Uh, practice so you never get it wrong. And that's that's our prerogative as humans. We're really good at practice because we can get in that groove and just go for it. So get convinced that this is the right practice for you and then make it happen.
4: Okay. Thank you
0: so much, Toby. Thank you, good to see you. Um, I think we had a, a Shraya Madhava next and then it goes over to Nam Chintamani. Somebody help me out with this because it, it's like moving squares. Somebody signs up, They. Sh- I'm gonna to talk to the Zoom people later. I think they, uh, they need a new feature, either that yes. Yes, it requires an IQ which would count me out. Okay, go ahead.
1: Yep, they need a new feature, I agree with you. <laughs> As likely a small number next to each of the hands. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, Maharaj. Uh, thank you very, uh, very important topic you're talking about. So a couple of things, there are some reflections on the board. So that is one thing I wanted to point out. The second was, um, we do our chanting, all the 16 rounds, and then we do our deity worship. We, we and after that we get throughout the day we get complacent. We think, okay, we have done our things. And then if we start doing you know our material nonsense, you know, then we just are under that false uh, sense of protection that we are protected because we have done all these things but we are not really protected if we willingly go and do our material nonsense. So we, I mean, what I'm getting from you, Maharaj, is that we have to be careful that, you know, if our mind is attracted towards that material nonsense because of that complacency, then we keep doing those things like the chanting. We keep continue chanting. So we, we don't give opportunity uh, to our mind, I I don't know if I'm getting that right. I mean, we keep doing it so that, you know, we don't do that nonsense.
0: Do the best you can with what you have right now, but lean into the parts that you can really do. Because there's a ton of nonsense already in there. No wonder it comes out. That's the samskars. You know, someone just sang me the Brill Cream ad from 1965 the other day. They know all the words, and they're like in their late 70s, and uh, you know. Brill cream is kind of hair cream. There's an advertisement, and you know those things are in there for millions of lifetimes. So you also can't get disappointed, and you also can't act act above your adhikari. You know, then suddenly it's like I'm a pure devotee. I'm gonna, you know, go around the house and chastise everybody because you looked at me weird. You know, do your level best. Uh, with what you have, and, and there is a kind of protection. No, we shouldn't do nonsense, and we shouldn't think, because I did my bhajan, now I can do nonsense. But if if you're already in the material world to some degree and your mind's still putting out all kinds of stuff and it comes up, don't freak out. Just uh, keep showing up for your bhajan because very soon it will it will rewrite all that stuff. And if you get the right association and you stay in your practice, then you're going to be successful very quickly. Thank you, Maharaj. Okay. Okay, uh, who is next? Namaj and Tamini, I think.
4: Hi, Krishna Guru Maharaj, Professor Hi, Hi. I really resonated with a lot of things you said today. Thank you so much um, for answering my questions. Um, And I have um, a lot of reflections that I've written down that I'd just like to read a a few points.
0: Okay. You said
4: really resonated. So one was that Krishna wears saffron on his feet and there's saffron particles that mix with the pure devotee sound vibration. That was really powerful. Um, And Krishna knows what I want and he's aware of my mood and he sees me and that my mood is all important. Mm. That was really really powerful. And um, Krishna gives all required knowledge, guidance, and association. And uh, the pressure cooker analogy is very powerful. So thank you for that.
0: Thank you for those reflections. Very much so. I uh, appreciate it. Here's the verse, uh, if you're keeping score at home. 4, 20, 25. Preeti says, My dear Lord, you are glorified by the selected verses uttered by great personalities. Such glorification of your lotus feet is just like saffron particles. When the transcendental vibration from the mouths of great devotees carries the aroma of the saffron dust of your lotus feet, the forgetful living entity gradually remembers his eternal relationship with you. Devotees thus gradually come to the right conclusion about the value of life. My dear Lord, I therefore do not need any other benediction, but the opportunity to hear from the mouth of your pure devotee. And Prabhupada uh, writes in the purport, it is explained in the previous verse that one has to hear glorification of the Lord from the mouth of pure devotees, from a pure devotee. This is further explained here. The transcendental vibration from the mouth of a pure devotee is so powerful then it can revive the living entity's memory of his eternal relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In our material existence, under the influence of illusory Maya, we have almost forgotten our eternal relationship with the Lord, exactly like a man sleeping very deeply who forgets his duties. In the Vedas, it is said that every one of us is sleeping under the influence of Maya. We must get up from this slumber and engage in the right service. For thus, we can properly utilize the facility of this human form of life. As expressed in a song by Thakur Bhaktivinod, Lord Chaitanya says, Jeev jago The Lord asks every sleeping living entity to get up and engage in devotional service that is so that his mission in this human form of life may be fulfilled. This awakening voice comes through the mouth of a pure devotee. A pure devotee always engages in the service of the Lord, taking shelter of his lotus feet. And therefore, he has a direct connection with the saffron mercy particles that are strewn over the lotus feet of the Lord. Although when a pure devotee speaks, the articulation of his voice may resemble the sound of this material sky, the voice is spiritually very powerful because it touches the particles of saffron dust on the lotus feet of the Lord. As soon as a sleeping living entity hears the powerful voice emanating from the mouth of a pure devotee, he immediately remembers his eternal relationship with the Lord. Although up to that moment, he had forgotten everything. For a conditioned soul, therefore, it is very important to hear from the mouth of a pure devotee who is fully surrendered to the lotus feet of the Lord without any material desire, speculative knowledge, or contamination of the modes of material nature. Every one of us is kuyogi because we have engaged in the service of this material world, forgetting our eternal relationship with the Lord as his eternal loving servants. It is our duty to rise from the ku-yogi, ku-yoga platform, to become su-yogis, perfect mystics. The process of hearing from a pure devotee is recommended in all Vedic scriptures, especially by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. One may stay in his position of life. It does not matter what it is. But if one hears from the mouth of a pure devotee, he gradually comes to the understanding of his relationship with the Lord and thus engages in his loving service, and his life becomes completely perfect. Therefore, this process of hearing from the mouth of a pure devotee is very important in making progress in the line of spiritual understanding. Okay, now we have... Oh, wh- who do we have? <laughs> Somebody keep track for me, please. Manjula Kanju, you're in Sukeshwari. charge. Oh, Sukeshri. Okay, Sukeshri, go ahead.
2: Prabhu, so, when you mentioned about the when Krishna, I mean, when you really want to surrender, Krishna will make the heaven and earth. He'll do anything you want. I was remembering the Gopakumara story when I first read it, um, when actually Gopakumara meets Krishna in Goloka Vrindavan. Um, He says that um, I waited for you for so long and um, it didn't seem like anything is working. I made sure you were born in Govardhan and I made sure I sent you a spiritual master called Jayanta. And I'm so happy. So when I first read that, I went back and again read it twice. I thought it was Gopakumara telling Krishna. But then later I realized it's Krishna telling Gopakumara that how much he was waiting for Gopakumara to come back so it just re um, you know i was just rethinking that part that how how much krishna loves us and as you said he will do anything <laughs> like, you know so that the, the you know the, the souls from the material world can come back to spiritual world
0: thank you, you No, know, this is this is cognitive dissonance dissonance in that i i think i've been abandoned and krishna is punishing me or something and generally, when devotees hear the, these couple of sections from the Brihat Bhagavatam Rita, where Krishna is personally embracing Gopakumar, welcoming back to the spiritual world, saying, I waited for you, and you can see Krishna, what Prabhupada says in 12:17 of the Bhagavatam, that Krishna wants us to come back more than we can desire. Devotees generally start weeping, genuinely, and it, it's, it's just, it, they can't help themselves. I've seen it so many times when we read that. Brihat Bhagavatam Rita, and we come to that section, and I just look up around the room. I I mean, I'm holding back tears, I look up, and I think I'm a sahaja, you know, here I go. And then I look up and I say, like, everybody's crying. And it's spontaneous, because this is the one psychological problem we have. We've forgotten Krishna, and when we realize actually he wants us back more than we can desire, we just break down. And we have all the feelings come rushing in. Like you were saying, Gandharvika Radha, that it's like, what have I been doing? <laughs> Why have I been keeping Krishna waiting? And oh, I, actually, you said it, Manjula Kanta. It's like wasting time here in the material world. Yes. Thank you very much. Okay. Call in the next person, please. I'm out of the calling on process. Oh, oh we had. I've retired.
3: Harry. We had Harry and then Sadhavindana.
0: Okay. Uh,
3: Hare Krishna Hare uh, Krishna Vaisyashir, is it possible you can read from Srimad Bhagavatam uh, 8.3.17 the last paragraph of the
0: purport i think it's very appropriate uh, for what you just said Yes prabhu i'll do it just now i'm doing 8.3.17 Ah uh, yes the last last paragraph of the purport Okay 8.3.17, Gajendra's Prayers. Yes. Only Krishna can deliver us from material existence. Indeed, he is always trying to deliver us. Ishvara sarabhubhutanam hrda He is within our hearts and is not at all inattentive. His only aim is to deliver us from material life. It is not that he becomes attentive to us only when we offer prayers to him. Even before we offer our prayers, he incessantly tries to deliver us. He is never lazy in re- regard to our deliverance. Therefore, this verse says, namul It is the causeless mercy of the Supreme Lord that he always tries to bring us back home, back to Godhead. God is liberated and he tries to make us liberated. But although he is constantly trying, we refuse to accept his instructions. Nonetheless, he has not become angry. Therefore, he is described here as Bhuti Karunaya, unlimitedly merciful in delivering us from this miserable material condition of life and taking us back home, back to Godhead. Thank you, Prabhu. That was perfectly placed.
4: <inaudible>
0: Hare Krishna.
4: Um,
5: Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare um, Krishna
0: So um I
5: was just thinking um about a saying which uh, is uh even if you give you know a million dollars you can't million or trillion dollars you can't really go back in time or revisit the past. So I was thinking that I've been wasting so much time in this material world, you know. Uh you know, discriminating, oh, I should, when I'm, when I'm like, I, I should chant now, I'd be like, oh, no, let me do something else. So, um, I was just thinking how, um, it's harder to become pure when, um, when you're attached to these, uh, material desires, but when, um, but the, the lucky thing is that in the material world, um, even if, even if, even if you chant one mantra of Hare Krishna with, uh, pure devotion, um, then krishna will actually uh, it'll be it you will be so satisfied that you want you would want to do it again and again and again and if you take one step toward krishna he'll take 100 steps towards you so, which makes it easier for you to um actually become more pure because in the treta yuga when um there, dasharatha he wanted kids um and uh Rishi Sringa, he told dasharatha to p- first perform the Yajna yagna for um to become pure to actually perform the putra yagna, yajna for getting kids and it almost took Dashata one year um uh, as i heard one year to complete the Put- uh, Ashwame the yajna but here in the kali yuga the chanting of the holy name even if you chant one maha mantra of um the holy name with um, intensity and devotion to the lord um you would actually develop pure love for uh, krishna and um it'd be easier for you to eventually go back home, back to Godhead. Sadhu,
0: sadhu. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. You know, we read in Giriyash Maharaj's new book. Do any of you have it? You do?
5: I do have it, Prabhu. You do?
0: Are you all reading it? Better hurry up, because I'm going to be the first one to finish. Uh, So, yeah, we read the other night about how Prabhupada was sitting with the devotees, and he took one maha sweet ball and he popped it in his mouth and he said the yogis they meditate for so many years thousands of years he said we'll with one sweet ball we can come to the perfect stage <laughs> thank you very nicely done sadhu okay who's next that's it we cleared the board
3: it was avantika she's not here right now so then there's mother
0: Okay, thank
1: you. We have, we have someone, oh, oh Madhav going to Prabhu. Is, is there anyone
2: there? I just wanted to comment, Prabhu. Yes. I just wanted to say that, you know, I've been seeing Sadhu Rindavan since he was so little. And, you know, I realized that actually soul doesn't have age and, you know, so much of things, you know. And recently we had a Ramayana contest. While I was interviewing the finalists, Sadhu got the first place. But I was just thinking that there are so many stories in Ramayana that I had, I had, I, had, I didn't, I was not aware till I, you know, as part of this contest, and working on it. I felt that so much of knowledge he has about Ramayana, about such complicated names and connections with so many different stories. At that moment, I felt that you know, um, it's not, it's not the body's age that matters. I just wanted to comment that. Thank you, Sadhu
0: has always been a sadhu. Ever since I've known him as a little tiny baby, he was a sadhu. Okay, I think it's Madhava Govinda and then Avantika. Thank you so much. For the- hey, Madhava Govinda, Haribol. Hare Krishna. Prabhu, sorry for long time, no talk. Good to see you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, thank Go you.
1: Go ahead. Thank you so much for the wonderful class, actually. I was really inspired. Somehow, I was, the point which you mentioned about cognitive dissonance, it really stuck with me. I was thinking that it's so natural and very easy for us to, uh, you know, get into that zone of, you know, have the discord actually. But I think as you mentioned later on, that when we do keep doing our repetitions on a regular basis, on a daily basis, that can uh, help us to actually come back to the resonance, the cognitive resonance that you
0: mentioned. So so it's easy to get into cognitive dissonance, but so easy to get out of it. And that's a revelation because anyone, like, my friend Divyanga, he reads every day, at least 18 pages of the, of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, And he always says, okay, I read my pages and every single time I feel lifted, uplifted. The resonance is there naturally. We feel it directly. we see it directly. It's Dharmyam. It's the perfection of religion because we see it directly ourselves. You know, if it was theoretical, we would be uh, um, not satisfied. But when we hear and chant, we know that naturally we feel jnana-vairagya uh, as comes as byproducts, and we just we come back into resonance, resonance, and residence of the spiritual world. Eventually, thank you very much, Govinda. Thank you so much.
6: Hare
0: Krishna. Avantika.
7: Hi hey, Krishna. So um, I was just reflecting on the points you were saying, and that purport we just read about how Krishna's one-sided love for us—or no, not for everyone—one-sided love. But I guess for me, one-sided love is so strong. And um, I was just thinking that He loves us so much that even when we wanted to leave Him, He fully facilitated that desire, and He created a world for us—not only a world, universes—and and even in those universes, we always will get what we want. Um, like in the Bhagavad Gita, it says, pavam." at the end of our lives, whatever our heart's desire is, we will always go there. So he's still fulfilling our desires, even if it's like not with him. Like if our hearts are craving for like Vaishnava association as well as his association, we have the opportunity to go, opportunity to go back to Goloka. But if we don't, we'll still get birth in another world that matches our desires. And he loves us so much that when we say, sorry, Krishna, I can't deal with you right now, he says, okay, forget me. I will give full facilitation for your forgetfulness. And he even gives remembrance and forgetfulness. And through this like giving forgetfulness, he's even considered merciful to the atheists because even they're getting what they want. They're not thinking about Krishna, they forgot him. And then on top of all of this, he still can't let us go. And he's been sitting in our heart remaining silent only because we chose to silence him and he's still like waiting for us and wants to look out for us and make sure we're okay just in case that one magical day we decide to turn back to him. So I was just really thinking about that.
0: That's something nice to be thinking about and well said. You're all loaded up. You've been hearing enchanting a lot. It all comes out. Thank you very much, Avantika. These are very, um, important points to remember krishna's personality and how he's the suhrit the best friend he's uh, as you said he loves us so much he comes with us even as we make our sojourn in the material world and he's always fulfilling our desire but when we come into the material world then we also get what we deserve we may desire but we also have to get what we deserve so there's a way in which under the, like if a kid runs away from home from his perfectly benevolent and um, well-facilitating, or just facilitating parents and then gets lost and taken in, in a bad foster home where he's um, neglected, abused and so forth. This is the condition of the little jiva. We leave, our well-wisher, eternal protector, and go into the uh, custody of maya, who has that uh, three-pronged instrument, adiatmik, adibhotik, and adidaivik. And that's uh, an unnatural, very awkward situation for the living entity. Yeah, so your point about reforming desire. This is our process. Okay, that's it. We cleared the board, I think. And I left a bunch on the board here. You want me to just do a a couple more quickly, succinctly? Or should we just stop right now? Yeah, right. What are you going to say? okay a yes.
3: couple more
0: okay a couple more okay question from anonymous says although one's or mine main objective in life is to surrender to Krishna I keep slipping off and feel like I'm cheating Krishna because I feel I only externally say Krishna I need you but internally I'm not actually trying as much as I say how do I actually stop cheating Krishna and myself as well well that, that question itself reveals an internal process that everyone goes through in an nivrti where we try to catch up to what desire we actually noticed, and we may have some inspiration to become Krishna conscious, and then we start on the path, and then there's a way in which other forces in our world catch up to us. This happens quite frequently. And then, we we have to then boil it down and re-examine what's most important to me. because remember, in the end, what's most important is my strong desire. And oftentimes these situations where we're tested, I said I'd keep it short. Let's see if I can actually do it. When we're getting tested, Krishna's seeing uh, what what do you actually want? And also, um, there is a stage in which, although we do have a, a desire to serve Krishna, we're over, overwhelmed by the samskars of our previous life. We're carried by momentum from previous experiences. makatasu uh, nirvina sarvakarmasu veda dukat kamams Krishna describes how the, the person is fully convinced about devotional service and is going for it, but at the same time can't stop the momentum uh, yet of his or her previous uh, material desires and feels quite regularly overwhelmed by those. So then he says, don't become discouraged. Just know that if you continue, then you'll overcome because what's more powerful, your karma and the momentum of your previous desires or the holy name? A or B? B. The second question uh, Why is it so hard to get rid of our previous impressions and some scars, which seems so deep rooted even after practicing devotional service? It just takes time. You got to be patient. It takes time. You got to be patient. That was a quick answer. I'm impressed with myself. I really appreciated the way you phrased ignorance. Ignore ends. Gopal Hari Prabhu was mentioning the other day that every faith has a key problem it focuses on on solving. Christianity's key problem is evil. Specifically, he mentioned that the Vedic worldview's key problem is ignorance. I was both impressed and a little bit confused since I felt that that seemed to focus on a knowledge-oriented viewpoint. But the way you put it, I thought that was the perfect resolution. Our ignorance is a choice a choice to ignore Krishna. So solving ignorance means gaining not just blunt knowledge, but realization or vijjana, which uh, really brings us close to Krishna so we can stop being ignorant. Yeah, there's data, then there's information, then there's knowledge, then there's wisdom. It goes through a processing uh, system, and uh, you only come to wisdom when you apply everything and Krishna uh, descends, gives us the inspiration from within. Mantra City gives this reflection, like the point that Krishna is seeing us. If we keep this in mind, life will become so simple. Nice point, mantra city. Good to hear from you. A couple more anonymous, a question: how to deal with materially motivated devotees. Well, we can't stay away from them and still want spiritual progress or both of both ourselves and them. Uh, Srila Govinda Maharaj, who is the direct disciple, successor of Srila Sridhar Maharaj, one of prophets God brothers, used to say, my religion is finding my own faults, finding the faults within myself. It's a really fun occupation. Everyone should try it. Just um, try to count them all up and make an inventory of all your faults. And you'll be so busy, at least I am, that you won't even notice the faults in others. Um, and finally, a power phrase from anonymous says, keep on keeping on. That sounds good. So we should end it because it's getting, it's into the wee hours of the night here. Uh, do you have a quick point percent and. Sorry. Huh?
3: It is says
0: Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Prabhu? Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Um, uh, tomorrow is the disappearance day of Jainanda Prabhu. Is it possible you could say something about him? Uh, I know it's late. Sorry about that. That's okay. Jayananda Prabhu? It's his disappearance day tomorrow. He's the first devotee I ever met. Well, third devotee. First devotee I met was Krita Karma. Second devotee I met was, was uh, Jambavan and then Jayananda. I, I joined the, the, the temple the day after Yatra. I had no idea there was a Yatra. They were putting away the, the wheels in the a big garage next to our temple, and Jayananda Prabhu asked if I wanted to help. And uh, he was our bhakti leader. He was my bhakti leader, Jayananda Prabhu. I didn't know he was uh, the most advanced devotee because he was so humble. We love Jayananda, he was, a, he was a leader by example. And is my impression of the movement was that, oh yeah, you just do pure devotional service. Now, if you didn't get the chance to see Jayananda, um, what's his name in Los Angeles? I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name right now. Uh, he's constantly doing service with you know overalls on Ratna Bhushan. Ratna Bhushan. Yeah. yeah, so once one day, uh, Prabhu, who was so close with Jayananda, I mean, so then he said, For all of you, it was at a proper festival. So, any of you who didn't get a chance to see <laughs> Jayananda, <laughs> go follow Ratna Bhushan around and watch him, and you'll get an idea what Jayananda Prabhu is like. Uh, Keshav Bharti Maharaj, who's very dear to all the devotees here, he was uh, really close with Jayananda Prabhu. In fact, they shared the same apartment for years. And when Prabhupada came to San Francisco, the couple times when I was there, uh, they'd move out of their apartment, they'd paint it every time when he, before he'd come, and then Prabhu would move in. That's where I f- first met him. And then Jayananda Prabhu, he never tried to push towards the front, although that became a sport by that time in 1973. Uh, you know, the, uh, the more senior devotees would huddle around Prabhupada and, it, and then, you know, when he came in the room, sat down and so forth. But Jayananda Prabhu always sat in the back. And Prabhupada always noticed him first because of his service mood. And from the very beginning, Jayananda Prabhu gave uh, m- a money to, for Prabhupada to print, uh, was it nectar devotion? It, and Prabhupada mentions him in there. He took out the five thousand dollars that he needed and gave it he was selfless, selfless servant Jayananda Prabhu and one of his uh, one of the um, traits Jainanda Prabhu had was that he made friends with everybody. you know how we talk about always leave everyone a good impression that was Jayananda. Everyone, everywhere everyone who met Prabhu, they felt like they met the nicest person in the world. And after after he did festivals, you know, he'd put on these big festivals. We had festivals in Berkeley. We had them in San Francisco. We had the Rathiatras. And he would work and work and work to make sure the festival went off. And then after it, he'd go around to all the people, anyone who, who, any of the vendors who sold us things or helped or donated bananas or whatever it was, and he'd always bring them some really nice prashadam, like a cake or something like that and everybody remembered him uh, lovingly. I just remember one time after Radha Dominar, he got on one of the buses and I saw him, I had already left San Francisco, was on another traveling party. We met up on the East Coast and uh, one of the sannyasis, you know, good stuff was rare back then, like nice chutters and stuff. One of them had bought a, um, a silk Harinam chutter. Pretty much uh, a rare item at that time. Now you can get anything <laughs> through Amazon Prime or whatever. But back then, you know, good devotional stuff was like, it was hard to get because we didn't have any money anyway. And anyway, so then I just remember being in a, we were at somebody's house or someplace, all the traveling parties were there. And we were with Jainanda. I was enjoying being in his company. And Tamal Krishnamurthy came over and gave him. This silk Harinam chutter, because everyone loved Jayananda. So Jayananda, he was very like strongly built and tall and you know, hard worker. His hands always like, you know, had some kind of like stain on it from working under cars and fixing everything and hammering and whatever. Anyway, the silk chutter, when he put it on, it looked like you know, some people just have a flare. They put something on, and they just and they look you know, like, yeah, they look like, when Jayananda put it on, it kind of looked like, you know, it was just hanging off him. Like he could, it wouldn't stay on him the right way. And, you know, he looked embarrassed. Like, is this too nice for me? That was, that was, I could tell that was giant. you know, the way he accepted it, cause they gave it to him, but he's like, it's too nice for me. It's like, this isn't, I, I can't wear something like this. I'm, I'm so, you know, insignificant. That was his mood always. And then, I remember I went outside and I came back and somebody else had the chatter, (laughs) he gave it away. He gave it away so fast and just looked satisfied then like not having it. So Jayananda Prabhu, you know, he left the world uh, with Prabhupada as a tape recorder in Los Angeles before Prabhupada left actually. And Prabhupada, Rameshwar was there. He gave him the tape recorder with Prabhupada chanting and. He said it was the last few hours were very very hard. You know, he was in a lot of pain, but he he ha, he was so strong spiritually and physically that you know he screwed up all his energy and pulled it together at the last minute. It was just had the tape recorder going right on his ear, and he was like fully putting his energy into remembering Krishna and Prabhupada at the last minutes, and then he left his his body, and Prabhupada wrote the letter you know, glorifying Jainanda Prabhu. And interestingly also when Prabhupada would write a letter about somebody leaving, like I remember when my grandmother left her body and I went to a Catholic church for her um, for her uh, funeral ceremony and the priest said, yeah, she's in a better place now and she's smiling on us. And I was like, how do you know? Let's hear some Pramanam from the Shastra on that one. <laughs> I wasn't too sure. Uh, no offense, grandma, but you know. Um, but Prabhupada said, if you were thinking of Krishna, you know, then you'll go back to Godhead. If you somehow, you weren't thinking of Krishna, you go to the planets come back and you'll take birth in the family of great devotee and you'll continue devotional service. He was very unsentimental when he would present it, uh, you know, somebody leaving, but he loved Jayananda. We, saw, we all saw it and Jai Nanda was a selfless servant. And I feel very lucky to have had his association in those early days. I thought that's just how you're supposed to be. Um, he took such good care of us. We used to go on Harinam Nam every day. That was our new Bhakti program. We had this big red van and uh, it was a big red step van. There were no seats in it. It was just a big square van, red van. And somebody would drive and we'd all pile in the back. And we go different places in San Francisco, Mark and Powell. We went over to Berkeley. We'd be on the campus in Berkeley and uh, Jainan would take us out. He loved Harinam. He loved Harinam. He'd play all day long. I mean, we went out for hours and hours and hours every day. And uh, sometimes I remember he'd, he had this trick he got from Vishnu Janaswamy of taping like pennies on his hand So he could get more uh, traction on the drum and and not, uh, wear his fingers down and stuff and then he'd feed us we either bring prasadam or sometimes jainanda would go into the store and he one of the things he'd always feed us is buttermilk and bananas so he'd get you know these big containers of buttermilk and he'd get bananas and you know put out like a chutter or something like that or something we didn't have chutters back then but you know something and then he'd open them up and he'd do like an offering and then he'd feed us the butter and milk and bananas when we were out on Kirtan, and We'd go out for a few more hours. And, you know, he was older than all of us. So it was kind of like having our dad there or something, you know, he was, he was a leader by seniority and by his uh, qualities, his humility really miss him, you know, and it, it's like so fortunate. There's a picture of under Prabhu. Barney Marsh tells and then New York, we were at 340 West 5th uh, in New York and the last Ratha Yatra, we were there with Prabhupada. 1976, Prabhupada came there. We were all there with Prabhupada. And Jayananda Prabhu, he already had uh, lymphoma. Back then, it wasn't as treatable as it is now. They didn't have the technology. Um, and Jayananda didn't want anybody to know that he was uh, getting these big, huge uh, a uh, limp swelling up in his body because he didn't want to miss his service uh, for the Rathiyatra for putting it on for Prabhupada. And although he was in pain, nobody knew it because he danced through the whole thing because he was so ecstatic that Prabhupada came to the rathiatra, And then afterwards, Keshubharni Maharaj caught him in the ashram. He saw him doubled over in pain. He said, Jainanda, you come here, you tell me what's happening, what's going on with you. And Jayananda said, you can't tell anybody. Actually, that was before rathiyatra. He said you can't tell anybody because he knew the devotees would gang up on him and make him miss his service. And he, and he showed him under his arm. He had these huge swollen glands from the cancer. And then uh, Jayananda Prabhu, he went to a few places to try to get rid of it. Uh, there were some alternative cures, but the only reason he went there is because the devotees insisted you know, you have to try this and that. And um, till the last minute, he was his uh, humble, affable self, and you know, he's the only devotee we have in our movement that's, um, that, that um, we Prabhupada put on the calendar to celebrate the disappearance of. So he's a really special soul, one of those uh, great devotees who appeared to help Prabhupada. And there's lots of other stories. There's whole books written about Jainanda Prabhu, but now that I'm talking about him, I'm starting to miss him really a lot and just remembering his association. So thanks for reminding us, Prabhu, of Jainanda. We have an extra expert Vaishnava on here who's uh, helping us to enjoy no, the mellows. Wrong information, wrong information. Relish the mellows. Hare Krishna. Okay, last one for sure. We have... Prashant Prabhu.
6: Um, Hare Krishna Maharaj uh, and uh, uh, Hare Krishna to all devotees, Danward Pranam. Um, You would be surprised to know about me. Uh, I have connected uh, from Australia right now. Haribo. From uh, from the Melbourne Scone Devotee Community. So uh, my humble obeisances to all of you. And uh, and Maraj and everybody, when I connected to this group, I immediately felt uh, I'm at home. Uh, and it's really lovely to see all all of you, uh, all the devotee, our community uh, that's so so far away from Australia. So uh, it's, it's really really nice and such a nice class, Maraj, and uh, uh, such a nice uh, questions and answers. So it's um, so I immediately felt at home. I feel like I know all of you for a long, long time. So uh, thank you so much. And also just to uh, uh, on the Maharaj uh, Janand uh, Prabhu's point, uh, uh, there is to be here locally in, uh, in Melbourne, Australia. And there is a fo- always photo of Janand Prabhu on that. And I did wonder that uh, who is this devotee? Because I did not know much about that. And now by grace of Krishna and uh, Maharaj, now I, I know so the photo, the person's photo that they, they put it on the altar, on the Ratyatra is Jayanand Prabhu. So uh, thank you so much, uh, Maharaj. And uh, without further ado, Maharaj, uh, my brother's family lives in San Francisco, in uh, Cupertino. And uh, I have a, a sister in law, and uh, I've got uh, niece and nephew there. So Currently, they are going through a very tough time. So um, as you can see, the COVID situation um, is just playing, you know, a lot of difficulties to everyone. So they're also going through a very tough time. So I've been, uh, you know, kind of helping them and uh, trying to give them some spiritual connection as well. So with that regard, like I ordered quite a uh, a lot of Prabhupada's book over the Krishna store website and got it delivered to them. They are appreciating it. And... uh, I feel that they need some personal connection, personal association. So other day I was talking to my sister-in-law she had been to your temple, uh, uh, you know, uh, some time ago, I think pre-COVID era and she got uh, the blessing of to do some service there as well. And uh, now I'm looking for some you know, personal touch for them uh, from our wonderful local community like uh, if somebody can reach out to them uh, and uh, with some prasadam, and uh, if the COVID situation or local laws allows if they can uh, do some pirtan at our home and uh, help us, you know, to give that personal touch and help them to connect with the, our very wonderful local community uh, there, so. Okay,
0: Prashant Prabhu, we'll get your, uh, somebody please grab his email and then yeah. we can figure out how to, take care of his dear relatives here, that are here with Prashadam mm-hmm. and inviting them to everything that's happening. We're deeply touched by your words and by your presence here today. We can see that as it's summer coming in here, it's winter coming on there. So yes, you're on the opposite yes. side of the earth where the water churns backwards in the sink and going down the tub because it's the opposite world down there.
6: Yeah, It's a very cold here. I don't know what's the weather there, so. Is it too cold there as well?
0: No, no. We're California. Every, uh, day, is perfect. Every day is perfect here. Jai. Just kidding. <laughs> Thank you very much, Prashant Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare manande, hari well, now that I've uh, run us into the wee hours of the night, um, with uh, sadness in my heart, I bid adieu to all the devotees because I'm going to really miss you. I'm so happy to see you all. I'd like to call you all out by name, but I, I'm... Rejoicing in my heart, just the time we had together. And we'll see you for Nisringa Chaturdasi on Tuesday. We're going to chant mantras. We're going to bathe the Lord. We're going to really lean into our celebration of Srila um, Narhari Day. Pruin, and then we have uh, Shweka's initiation ceremony on Wednesday. That's a big deal here for all of us. And so we have a lot coming up, right? Sorry, Maraj,
6: before I let you go, what's the situation there? Is it like uh, devotees are able to visit the temple and visit uh, to each other's oh. home?
0: We're just opening up a little bit at a time. A little darshan uh, by appointment, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Slowly, slowly. Shanae, shanae uparamed. Sure yes thank you yes thank you. yes did, did you give your email to somebody
6: yeah so i gave it quickly. yeah to swadha devi dasi mataji
0: all right then you're you're good as gold then yeah everything will happen from that point hare krishna
6: thank you hare krishna
0: hare krishna hare krishna 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 hare 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 rama hare rama Go Hari, pray man and devachar patitanam pavani bho namo namaha natchariar marman natchariar marman natchariar marman natchariar marman hey natchariar marman natchariar marman natchariar marman natchariar marman